you have your copy of God's Word, I'm going to invite you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 5 this morning. Genesis chapter 5, I'm glad you're here this morning. We've got some special guests. I don't do this, I never do this, so you know these are special guests if I am doing this. We have a whole soccer team here, the Bria soccer team that is all the way from Clinton, Mississippi, that is playing a tournament here in Birmingham. And so uh, a part of those uh, soccer players are, are guys and brothers and sisters that are good friends with my boys. And we got moms and dads there, some of which I went to college with, some of which I went to high school with, and some of which I even went to junior high with. There are others in that group that were members of the church that I pastored in Clinton, Mississippi. So, Rhea, welcome to Dawson. We hope you win this afternoon by 10 goals. <laughs> Unless you're playing Vestavia or Homewood or Mountain Brook or Hoover, whatever. whatever. What am I supposed to say there? Uh, so, really, really glad you're here. And uh, Genesis chapter 5 is where we are this morning. We're continuing in a series entitled Genesis Act 1. We're looking at the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis. A few years ago, someone came to me, one of our church members, and said, Preacher, is it okay to skip the boring parts of the Bible? And the context of that question was, in January, we had started this Read Through the Bible in a Year church-wide uh, emphasis. And so he, uh, this, this uh, member, he, he started Genesis 1 through 4, and he had what we've talked about over these past weeks. We had the Garden of Eden. You have God creating the image of uh, God creating male and female in the image of God. You have the story of the serpent slithering his way into the Garden of Eden. You have uh, temptation. You have Cain and Abel, all of which we've looked at. And then he says, can I skip the boring parts of the Bible? Because he comes then to Genesis chapter 5, which is our passage this morning. Read with me. Starting in verse 1, this is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God, male and female. He created them and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. When Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh. Seth lived after he fathered Enosh 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he fathered Kenan. Enosh lived after he fathered Kenan 815 years, and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enosh were 905 years. And he died. So I don't know exactly where this church member stopped. But I, I imagine around verse 11 or so. He, he stopped and he said. Is it okay to skip this? Or are there, are there skimmable parts of the Bible? Are there skippable parts of the Bible? If he would have continued on. Or if I would have read you the entirety of chapter 5. These next 21 verses repeat this image and this pattern right here. There are ten family sets that are given to us in Genesis chapter 5. That should give us some kind of clue. Ten, like twelve, throughout the Bible is a number that signifies completion. 
It's important for you to understand that Genesis chapter 5 is not intended to be a comprehensive family tree. It's not intended to tell us everyone in the genealogy prior to Shem, Ham, and Japheth, which is going to end this going into the story of Noah. I mean, Cain and Abel, we have their uh, genealogy in chapter 4. We have often throughout these passages in Genesis chapter 5 that there were others that he fathered in like verse 4. The days of Adam, he fathered Seth, were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. So everyone isn't included in Genesis chapter 5, but I think it's important for you to see this is sort of a montage. This is going to get us from the story of Cain and Abel to the story of Noah and the flood, where we're going next week here. Everyone isn't included in this passage, but it is important for us to ask the question, what do we do with this passage? The, the question that was posed to me is a question that pretty much anyone in this room that has read their Bible ha, has wondered about, not only in the book of Genesis, but continuing from Genesis to Revelation. Their, their parts of the Bible, while inspired by God, seem to be very remote from our daily existence. Paul would say to his protege in the ministry, Timothy, that all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And so we ask ourselves, what is profitable about a genealogy? What is profitable for correction and for reproof and for training in passages that say, this person lived for 969 years and he died? This person lived for 905 years, and he died. This person lived for 912 years, and he died. If you're reading the Bible to your family, and I know you do that, you would have the reaction that I've received at different times when I'm reading this to, to my boys, where they ask, 912 years? What's going on there, Dad? 905 years? What's going on with that, Dad? I mean, is this, is this like a promo for essential oils or something right here? That if, if, you, if you buy the, the introductory package or, you know, if you get a part of Plexus or Advocare or if you do CrossFit and watch your diet, that you too can have non-centuries in front of you? And the answer, I, I mean, obviously, I, I jest. But, but what about these years? I mean, what do we do with these long tenures of these years, uh, is there something going on in Genesis chapter 5 that we're not aware of? Do they count the years differently here? There are other documents outside of the Old Testament that we have access to. So there are other ancient Near Eastern documents that were sort of codified and written around the same time that Genesis chapter 5 would be there. And so you have lists of Sumerian kings. It's really interesting. You, you can look in, in the Sumerian king list and they'll talk about the reign of the kings and it would say something like this, that the reign of the kings before the great flood, we'll talk about that great flood next week, they lived 28,000 years. That these kings lived 36,000 years. That these kings lived 43,000 years. 
Well, obviously, the Sumerian kings did not live 36,000 years. I mean, obviously, they didn't live 43,000 years. But scholars of of these list of kings, they they speculate that one of the ways that the, the writers would esteem and honor the legacy of the kings is by giving them these tenures and these lifespans that were almost deified. I mean, it was a way of exalting them. And so some biblical scholars have looked at those king lists and they begin to sort of hypothesize, well, maybe if they do it there, they might do it in the Bible. So maybe Moses and other editors of the book of Genesis would want to honor and then add on hundreds of years to esteem them and to honor them. And maybe so. I mean, maybe so. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, maybe so. But, but I'm not persuaded. I'm just not persuaded. What if we did a novel thing? What if we just took the years at face value? What if we just took the years at face value and they begin to ask ourselves, what, what maybe are these long tenures of, of their lifespan saying about this unique time in the history of God's dealing with his people prior to the flood? Well, we know, and we're going to look at this next week. I continue to say this, but we know God is going to see the sinfulness of humanity and he's going to make a declaration in Genesis chapter three, uh, 6, verse 3, that my spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal. Their days will be 120 years. And then we start getting some lifespans after the flood. And Shem, he dies at 600. Not quite 930. But then when we get to Abraham, 175. Then we get to Isaac, 180. Jacob, 130. And maybe we can begin to think that the further that humanity gets from the Garden of Eden, the further that humanity gets from the tree of life, that the shorter their lifespans seem to be. Because when they're in the Garden of Eden, they have access to the tree of life. They have the ability to live eternally in communion with God. But as they're east of Eden... Outside of the Garden of Eden, and time moves on, so lifespans shorten. But it still leaves us with the same question. Is it okay to skip? I mean, is this just curiosity for for Bible trivia here to see who lives and how long that they would live? Is it just the five-year-old or six-year-old in a vacation Bible school or Sunday school class that says, what about the years? There's got to be more to this. And maybe that this passage gives us the heart of the human predicament if we would just look closely at the repetition. What, What is repeated in these verses? Well, verse 5, thus all the days Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Thus all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. Thus all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. Then all the days of Kenan were 910 years, and he died. Thus all the days of Mahalahel were 895 years, and he died. Verse 20, thus all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. And then there's one exception, this repetition, this refrain, one after another, live this long, died, live this long, died, live this long, died. And then in verse 22, Enoch walked with God, and after he fathered Methuselah 300 years, and he had other sons and daughters, thus all the days of Enoch were 365 days. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. 
Everybody lives, everybody dies. Everybody has children, and then they die. They pass on the family tree with one exception. And Genesis chapter 5, glaring out for explanation, is this mysterious figure by the name of Enoch. He joins this unique place in the Old Testament as being one of two people who do not die natural deaths. Elijah goes up to God in a whirlwind. Enoch walks with God, and he was no more. He lives 365 years. God takes him. Why does God take him? Because of the walk that he has with God. He faithfully walks with God. The only other time that we have read that is Adam and Eve, as they were walking with God in the Garden of Eden. The anonymous writer of Hebrews would reflect on, on this very passage and would tell us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, that by faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God, and without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. The writer of Hebrews would use Enoch as this example, this illustration for all of us of what it means to please God. That it is impossible to please God without faith. That faith is the key. Now faith is more than just intellectual apprehension. That, that there is a deity and he exists. Faith is putting your trust in God. Faith is not only believing but accepting the claims of the gospel upon your heart. By faith we do this and we please God and we're able to walk with him. Genesis chapter 5 it actually deals with the central dilemma in life. It actually shows us that we can have hope in the face of the inevitability of death. You will not live 969 years. I am sure of that. I'm sure no matter your diet, I am sure no matter your faithfulness at 4.30 to hear that alarm go off and do whatever you do for exercise, that, that your life, no matter your vitamin regime, your life, no matter your diet, that ultimately maybe it's nine decades, maybe it's ten decades, maybe it's eight decades, maybe it's seven decades, but all of us are finite human beings. All of us are temporal human beings. One day, you too will be on a list like Genesis chapter 5. All of us in this room, this preacher, it will, it will be said of, of this person here, David Eldridge lived a total of however many years, and then he died. Every one of us in this room, this is guaranteed that we will all become footnotes on our family tree. Who, who, what, what was the name of your great-great-grandfather? What was the maiden name of your great-great-grandmother? This is our family tree, and the majority of us in this room could not pull that up. 
There, there's something about this passage right here that reminds us of something that we need to be reminded of, not just at funerals, not just in the wake of death and the grief of death, but the, the truth is that none of us will escape the inescapable reality of our mortality. And the question is, are you ready? Enoch was ready. He had a faith in the very one who could conquer death. He had faith in the one who, as he walked with God, took him and he was no more. Enoch's death was not the end of his story because it was an entrance into the presence of God for an eternity. Enoch was no more because he was where? He was with God. And do you know that the Bible teaches us this? That when we put our faith in Jesus Christ... That when we die, Paul would say, we are absent from the body, and guess where we are? We are present with the Lord. That this is the great hope of the Christian, is that to be absent from your physical body is to immediately be in the presence of your Lord and Savior. Do you realize this, and does this give you hope? Do you know Ted Williams, hopefully you know Ted Williams, Teddy Ball game? The Boston Red Sox, Ted Williams died in 2002. One of the greatest hitters to ever play, Ted Williams. T Ted Williams in 2002 was cryogenically frozen with the hope that one day science can come to a solution to the very cause of his death and that he could walk among us and be at the Homewood and Vestavia and Hoover baseball fields giving us tips. I don't know about you, but I think it's important for all of us to know what, what are we putting our faith in? Are, are we putting our faith in that, that one day science will overcome death? And my answer to you is, is I'm not looking for science to overcome death because I know a Savior who has already overcome death. And I don't, have to, I don't have to sit here and wonder, maybe it will be my generation, the generation that will come behind me that will be able to usher us in to lifespans of 969 years. No, I know a Savior who has conquered death and this gives me hope because as he through his resurrection has conquered the grave so when you put your faith in him he conquers each and every grave that each and every one of us will ever face now death is an enemy death is not a part of God's original plan with the tree of life in the garden of Eden so we as believers we don't frolic to funerals we don't, we don't have a cavalier sort of um, what does it matter kind of attitude about death. We grieve over the, the loss of the physical presence of people with us. I, I, have, I have buried two brothers at the age of 14 and 32, and I know personally that death is something that ultimately brings tremendous heartache. It disrupts everything. That this side of heaven, there are some wounds that God can heal, but they're not fully healed until we are in the presence of our Lord and Savior. So I am not here to minimize the pain and the grief and the suffering that any of you in this room might have felt, but I am here to remind you that even in the midst of your tears, I'm here to remind you that even in the midst of any 
any sorrow that you feel. I'm here to remind you in the midst of picking out caskets for any of your family members in a funeral home that there is hope even in the midst of your tears. That death doesn't get the last word. While it stings, the sting is ultimately vanquished by our great Savior. Now, the wonderful news of this passage is that like Enoch, you can walk with God into that good night. And the way that he did that was by faith. I love that passage of of walking with God because none of us perfectly walk with God. That ended in the Garden of Eden. But the the good news is there is one who walks and has walked perfectly with God. And as you put your faith in the one who perfectly walks with God, has done it for an eternity past, will do it for an eternity present, that is Jesus Christ, so you too can walk with God forever. And when you get to that place that maybe you see coming or you don't see coming. Where your lifespan, David Eldridge lived this many years, then he died. We are absent from the body and we're present from the Lord. And what will that be like? Is this, is this, the, is this the great enemy that all of us cower under? Or is there another way for us to view this? I remember when I was five or six years old, one of the earliest memories I have is my family moved to Clinton, Mississippi, and we were building a house there, and there was a a duplex that we lived in. And I remember listening, and I would stay up, and I would hear my mom and dad watching the show, and they would say, there would be this announcer that would come on, and I would, you know, how kids are, they're five and they're six, they just want to stay up with their parents, and I, I was that kid. I could hear down from the hallway them laugh, and there'd be someone that says, here's Johnny. And I would think, I want to meet Johnny. I mean, they would think he was so funny. Like, what is so funny about this person? And so on the weekends, every once in a while, on Friday night or Saturday night, I I, I could stay up because I just thought as a five-year-old, if I could laugh at what they're laughing at, if if I could hear and see Johnny Carson, then, I mean, this would just be amazing. What, what I didn't know, that to, to get to Johnny Carson, you have to go through the 10 o'clock news. And so what happens is the, the James Spann of, of Jackson, Mississippi, would, would wax eloquently about the, the future weather plans for Mondays and Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays, and I would oftentimes find myself asleep. And I would fall asleep on the floor, the bottom level of our house. And I did that many weekends, but I never woke up on that floor. You see, I would fall asleep on that floor, and it wasn't the most comfortable floor. It wouldn't be a place that you want to sleep all night. But every morning, I would wake up in my bed. And what happened was, is that when I fell asleep, my father would come and he would pick me up in his arms and he would carry me into my bed. And you and me and all of us in this room, we will fall asleep on the hard, oftentimes painful ground floor of this earth. 
But if you, like Enoch, if you, like Billy Graham, if you, like your grandmother who is in heaven, your grandfather that is in heaven, you, if you would place your faith in Jesus Christ, I have great news for you. That when you fall asleep on this earthly floor for the last time, your heavenly Father will lift you up into His arms and He will take you to a place that He has prepared for you, a place where our pains are transformed into praise. Every disease, every bout of depression is transformed into doxology. All of your hurts, all of the disillusionment is is passed away and every day is better than the one before. That is what he has prepared for you. The last book of of the Chronicles of Narnia series is called The Last Battle. We followed these two brothers and two sisters in all of the travails of Narnia. We followed them through the heights and we followed them through the depths of, of pain that they've had to experience. And we come to the very end and we wonder what will come of them. And Lewis says, but for them... It was only the beginning of the real story. That all their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last they were beginning chapter 1 of the great story which no one on earth has ever read. Which goes on forever in which every chapter is better than the one before Christian, death will come to all of us, but do not fear. Death, while it parades as the great enemy, has been defeated by an even greater Savior, and through Him we are carried into an eternity with Him from our earthly life into our Father's presence where every chapter is better than the one before. Let us pray. In the silence of this sanctuary, I just want to talk to you for a moment. Maybe you're 8 years old. Maybe you're 10 years old. Maybe you're 12 years old. Maybe you're 14 years old. Maybe you're 44, 84, anywhere in between. And none of us in this room Me as your preacher, first and foremost, I I don't want to talk about death. But it's right here in the Bible. And so my question today is the most important question. Do you know without a shadow of a doubt that you've placed your faith in the one who has defeated death? Has there ever been a time in your life where you've said, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that my sin has separated me from you just like it did with Adam and Eve. And I believe, I believe that you sent your son to die a death upon the cross, a death that I deserved. I believe that on the third day that you were raised from the grave and that you've defeated death 
And today I put my faith in you. Today I trust you. Have, have you. have you prayed that prayer before? It doesn't have to have those words. You don't have to know the time, the date, but are you sure that there's been a time in your life where you've admitted your sin, you've believed in the finished work of the gospel, and you've committed your life to him? If you have it, today is the day of your salvation. I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm just going to pause. And maybe you're here and you're saying, I don't have that kind of confidence. Would you pray this prayer with me? Just inside your heart. God, today, I admit that I have done things that displease you. I admit that I have sinned. Today, I believe, I believe that you sent your son to die a death that I deserve. Today, I commit my life to you. I want to follow you not only today, but forever. Thank you, God, for giving me hope, not only today, but forever. It's in your name we pray.